I'm Stephen, hello. And I do board game ministry and all those sorts of things. Um, so I thought what I'd do is I'll bring a section of games so you can see that what I'm using isn't Christian board games because almost as a general rule, Christian board games are rubbish, unfortunately. They're, they're on the, they're like Monopoly and things like that where you, instead of having your chance cards and your luck cards, you have to quote scripture verbatim off the top of your head. And that's good in some things, like if you had a Bible study group and you were trying to learn scripture, it's good for that, but not necessarily in other ways. There, there are exceptions to that rule, and I'll talk about them later. Um, but these are just everyday board games that you can buy nowadays. Um, there are, there's a website called Board Game Geek, where you can look at every single board game that's ever made. Uh, people update it. It's a big database, and you, people rank it and say how good each one is. How many games do you think are on there now? Roughly. Have a guess. <coughs> Over a hundred? Over a thousand? Over ten thousand? There are on each page that you do your search, you get fifty things. There's one thousand and twenty-four pages. So there's a lot out there, and about 300 come out a month-ish at the moment as well. So it's big stuff. Um, so I thought I'd start off, um, all the stuff that I'm talking about is obviously, for me, I've gone down the board game route, but it could be any hobby. You could do it with knitting, you could do it with sugar craft, you could do it with uh, a movie club, something like that. It's taking stuff that already exists and bringing scripture into it. Why would you want to do that with hobbies? Hobbies are, are something that you do in your, your spare time, isn't it? That you can't link God to that. Well, you can actually. Um, it's really big missional outreach. We believe in the Holy Spirit, yeah? And the Holy Spirit binds us together. Well, it could be bringing everybody together into these hobby groups with these passion things that they have and just waiting for the right person to come along into that hobby and say, you've got this passion that's already brought you together, already built a community. Now, if you just look at it from this way instead of that way, you'll see God in it. And you can start using what they love, what they enjoy, to talk about God. And um, It breaks down the barriers, because when you're doing something that you love, you'll talk about it for ages, won't you? Everybody's got at least that one friend who is into something that you're not, and they'll talk about it, and they'll talk about it, and they'll talk about it, and talk about it and you'll just be sat there going yeah okay good for you you like that that's good but if you also have that same hobby you'll be sat there talking with them for ages going back and forth over this little bit and that little bit and it makes them interested in what you have to say so as a Christian you can then start talking about being a Christian and weave that into it and they're interested in what you're saying because they already know they share something with you. Um, it brings relevance to their life because you're making it relevant to something that they already know. And it's good for church planting because you can plant into a community that already exists. You've already got people there together and you've already got that structured community to work with. You're not having to build from the ground up. So why board games? Well, for me, it all comes down to play originally you know that thing that kids do it's like yay let's play 
We should all still do that. How do kids learn? They learn through playing. And for some reason, we've just taught ourselves not to. And it's really important that we recapture that. Um, D-Gamage is somebody who works for the uh, Institute of Play, which is an actual uh, psychological group thing where they use play in therapy. And say, if we're able to play, we bring a lightness and softening that allows for a loosening around how we perceive ourselves, others, and our own thinking. Play allows us to open up and question concepts, beliefs, and assumptions that we perhaps were not even aware we held, offering us opportunities to deepen our understandings of ourselves, others, and the world we share together. Which is a really long way of saying, when you play together, you actually are open to chatting with one another and to learning about each other and you tend to leave the things that you worry about at the door because you're having fun and you don't want to stop having fun so you're actually more open to talking with people about things which is great as Christians because it means people are more likely to listen to our testimonies whilst we're playing with them. Another one, this is from a guy called Mike Iaconelli who did loads of great work, passed away um, quite young, unfortunately, but he wrote a book called Dangerous Wonder, where he looked at how we could use play to interact with God more. And in his opinion, play is an expression of God's presence in the world. One clear sign of God's absence in society is the absence of playfulness and laughter. Play isn't an escape, it's a way to release the life-smothering grip of busyness, stress and anxiety. So through playing, we can deal with things that are becoming massive issues in our lives. People always feel stressed and always feel anxious. But when you come home and you do your hobby, you do the things that you love, it helps you relax and unwind at the end. I think that God is a playful creator. <coughs> he must be playful. He created the platypus. I, if you look at the platypus, how on earth could that be a thing unless God is playful? It looks so stupid. A duck otter thing. And finally, another quote from another book. This one's called God Loves the Freaks. And it says, Time and time again in the book of Acts and indeed throughout history, when the church is willing to reach out to and embrace those of difference, the church grows and the people are filled with God's love and with his spirit. Now, geeks tend to be an outlier. They tend to be people who don't necessarily fit in in social situations. They're not on the sports teams. They don't necessarily um, feel comfortable in nightclubs, in places like that. They're, they're comfortable in their geeky zone. And, and I'm, I'm generalising here based on my own experience, because that's how I am. I'm comfortable in my geeky zone. Um, so reaching out into that, and bringing the gospel to them and making them know that they're loved and accepted and they've got a community that they do belong in is massively powerful because very often they feel there's no community at all for them. <coughs> got a little bit of facts and figures. Um, this is Google search data over the past five years. It's a little bit out of date now. Gaming in general, the searches for it is increasing time and, uh, year on year. Uh, board games, the searches are increasing year on year, but for some reason it spikes around Christmas time. I don't, I don't know why that might be. Um, there's board game cafes. Have you ever heard of a board game cafe before? 
There's probably one in Newcastle. I've got yeah. no. Is there? What's it called? Ah. <laughs> I think it's quite recent. It will be. Yeah, because they, they're becoming a big thing now. So you go, you get your coffee, you get your um, sandwiches and stuff like that, and you can rent a game out to play with your friends whilst you're there. Meeple perks, maybe? Meeple perks. It's got the word meeple in it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. meeple <laughs> is the term for... Could you could treat that one. You could treat would be one. Uh, hot. Yes. Yeah, it will be. Because that's a, a nationwide thing. This leaves a meeple. It's a little person that represents me. So it's a meeple. Yes. There you go. So, yeah, so board game cafes, searches for that is increasing. And actually, again, this is out of date. It's now all the way. It's, kind of gone up here even further now because they're becoming a massive thing all across the country and I reckon soon almost every high street will probably have one because it just works people enjoy it and games are expensive so being able to actually go somewhere and rent it for £2.50 for the afternoon is considerably a bit better than spending 20 30 40 quid on one so. Um, have you heard of Kickstarter before and GoFundMe and Indiegogo and things like that? Big crowdfunding platforms. Um, the highest grossing things on those crowdfunding platforms at the moment tend to be board games. So we've got three of the highest grossing things from Kickstarter here. Uh, Kingdom Death Monster made over $12 million in a month. Exploding Kittens made um, just shy of $9 million. Seventh Continent made just over $7 million just to get made and built. That massive box uh, game Gloomhaven over there, that's been on Kickstarter twice now, and it's probably made about $10 million. Uh, and it's somewhere where people go down to buy games from. And these are people backing it. it, it uh, 219,382 people backed Exploding Kittens to make sure that it would be made. It's big, big business. Um, the celebrities involved in it as well. Will Wheaton, um, he runs a YouTube uh, channel called Tabletop, where he plays tabletop games with celebrities. He ran an Indiegogo and made $4 million to keep his show running for another season. Um, there's another group of uh, voice actors who get together on a Thursday night and do a Dungeons & Dragons thing and stream it through Twitch. They've just done a Kickstarter, and in three days they've made $5 million. So it's big, big business. People are spending it and are really excited about games. But why in the church setting? We've got wide board games in general, but why is it important in a church setting? Well, it gives you those conversation points. People are happy to talk to you whilst you're playing a game. And it can be people who you've never, ever met before will suddenly be sat there asking you about your life, telling you about their lives, because the barriers just come down as they're playing. Um, it's accessible. If you do, sports ministry is really, really good. <coughs> but you're never going to get an eight-year-old doing a full game of football with an 80 or 90-year-old. They're on different levels of fitness, so they can't do it together at the same time. You can put certain rules in, 
to make sure that they can, but it's not very accessible for all ages, all abilities at the same time. Board games are. Everybody can play them. It's great for mental health. We have a massive problem with loneliness, with anxiety, with stress and with depression at the moment. And in order to play a board game, you need at least one other person sat there with you at that time. It can be four people sat with you, it can be ten people sat with you, it could be a hundred people with you playing that game at the same time. So you've got that sense of community being built just through playing a game. And that sense of loneliness and isolation starts to dissolve a bit. Um, I've got a guy who comes to one of my uh, sessions that I run, and he's in a wheelchair. He's got quite severe uh, health issues. And when he came, he said, I've come to this because it's at a church, so I knew I'd be welcome. And this is the first time I've been out of the house on my own without my mum with me for five years. And he felt he was able to do that because it was at a church. So he knew it would be a welcoming community. And it's done absolute wonders for him um, and for his self-esteem. And it's been coming every month that we run it. Um, it's great for people who are on the autistic spectrum. Because usually people with autism, when they're talking to people, they're constantly trying to predict what are they going to do next. Because they don't, have, they don't understand social cues. They don't understand um, how people think. Because part of autistic spectrum disorder is your brain works in a completely different way. So they're always on edge. And they never open up. Because they don't know what to expect next. In a board game, there are very, very strict rules for what the people are going to do next. You know what they're going to do. Well, you might not know exactly what cards they're going to play, but you know they're going to play a card. You know they're going to move a piece. So suddenly, that worry that is there all the time in their lives of what is somebody going to do next lessens dramatically because it becomes strict rules that can happen. And that allows them to be more social, to talk about themselves, to feel more relaxed. And uh, this has been found in the groups that I run and in groups that many people that I know run as well. That actually playing the games help people with ASD relax and be themselves and be comfortable. Uh, you can use them for teaching. I'm a teacher by trade uh, and by training. And games are just great for getting teaching points across. Because you can show them physically something that's happening and say, you've just done that. How does that link to this? And then talk them through you know, the different links that could be made. It works really well with scripture as well, explaining how these things go together. So I've got a game over here called Takadoko. And in it, you are building bamboo for a giant panda tree. And it's a nice physical... It's got a lot of nice presents here on the board as you're building up these tall spires of bamboo. And you've got a little panda that's going around eating them, and a little farmer that's making them grow. You can look at the scripture, I'll pick some later, don't worry. Um, you can look at the scripture because it's the sowing of the seeds with the growing of the bamboo. You can look at the scripture because the panda's eating it back, trimming it back. You can talk about the pruning of the vine. You can make these links and use them as an educational tool. 
Which one gives you use that? Any. You could use Monopoly, you could use Pluto and Scrabble and things like that. But there are hundreds of board games out there now that are considerably better. The problem with old board games tends to be that you either have your turn and then you're waiting ages until you have your turn again. So you're just sat there, bored, checking your phone, just waiting. Or you get knocked out quite early on and then you, everybody else is still having fun and you're sat there going, well, I can't do anything now. If you run out of your money in Monopoly in the first three or four rounds, it could be an hour before you're able to finish. And everybody else is playing and having fun and you're just sat there thinking, well, this is a waste of time. Many new board games, there are still some that have that to it, but most don't. So you've got some games that um, you're playing for points that get added up at the end. So Lotus, where you're building flowers, is this one. You don't find out who's won until the end, because you're collecting these little packets that they've got. And the Carcassonne game, you don't add up how many points you've got until you finish. Um, Fault Express, you're robbing your train, but you don't know exactly what movements you're going to do until it's the end of the round. Because you've put in what you want to do, but somebody might have done something to mess with you and stop you from doing it. So it's all unpredictable, and that actually keeps people enjoying the game. And ones which do have knockout mechanisms, uh, like the Dungeon Mayhem one there, um, tend to be quick. So it's over in 15 minutes. So you don't have those same issues that you do with older games. Um, also, if you're wanting to set up something like this, you don't need a massive collection of games. I've got a massive collection of games because I enjoy games. You only need about five to ten, really, that you can hand out to people to use. And once they get used to coming to your group, they'll start bringing their own. Because people who enjoy games like their games, and they want to bring them so they can play their games. Because you can't play a game on your own, not easily. You usually need other people with you. So it gives them that opportunity for it. I run a website called dameswall.net and the aim behind that one is to help people discover their identity, which is who they are and what their faith is, and build key skills for life through playing games. So on it, I go through board games and some video games, I say what they are, I give some links to how you could explore your character in it. So you've had to do this in the game, how did that make you feel? If that sort of thing happened in real life, how would that make you feel? Those sorts of things. So it's making you really think critically about how your actions in real life could impact on yourself and on other people. I then link it to scripture in some way, shape or form by saying what you could talk about, what books you could read, things like that. So there's lots of stuff on there that you can check out. Um, I've used that scriptural teaching to make a holiday club. That's currently being trialled by Switch Union to potentially become a bigger thing. Um, I've got a quick video to show you that uh, it's about a minute and it shows what happened in the trial one that we did. That's really good, so yeah, should work.
So hopefully that will be coming out from Scripture Union at some point in the future as a three-day holiday club or as a six-week after-school club, um, if it works when it's trialled elsewhere. Um, so keep an eye on yeah, Scripture Union social media for that one. Um, I'm just doing a whistle-stop tour through everything, and there'll be any questions at the end. Um, I've got some event ideas of things that have worked and that I've seen work or, or won myself. You've got your outreach events, doing a board game afternoon, evening, day, where you're providing a safe space for people to come and play board games and meet new people. You can have a God slot there. But if you do have a God slot, make sure that when you're advertising it, the fact that you're having it fills half the advertisement and says, we will be pausing to talk about God. Because imagine you're playing a game and you're this close to winning. You know, next turn, you're going to get the right card to win. And the person next to you has just picked up the card that you need. And you're desperately thinking, oh, what am I going to do? How am I going to manage this now? What? And then somebody goes, excuse me. Sorry, sorry, can, can we stop you now? Can, I just want to have a quick word with you about God. How frustrating would that be? And it completely take the entire impetus away. All of that momentum around the game disappear. So you need to be really clear exactly if you're going to have a God slot and when it will be. Particularly with things like this, where over a long period of time people are playing games. And that's just good advice for any outreach that you plan. Is make sure that people know if you're going to do a God thing. Don't just blind, blindside them with it, because they won't thank you for it. You need to make sure that they're aware that that's happening. Um, you can do lunchtime and after-school clubs with schools. Um, schools are often <coughs> quite interested in you going in because the geeky kids are the ones that aren't reached by many things. They're not in the sports clubs. They're not in necessarily in the drama club. They might hang around in the library, and that's about it. And they're not socialising, not building the social skills. And schools don't have any mechanisms to provide this unless they've got a teacher who happens to be a geek and has the free time. So if it's something that you can provide for them, schools tend to be interested. Uh, it also ties into Duke of Edinburgh Award. It classes as their skill. As long as they are playing the game regularly and playing it with board games, it has to be different games and they have to be able to teach them as well as just play them. That counts as a Duke of Edinburgh Bronze Award skill with uh, tabletop roleplay like Dungeons and Dragons. They just they need to attend and they need to really get involved in the sessions. But it counts towards that. With tabletop wargaming, making their models and using them, the, math, the numeracy and literacy skills that they need for that, count towards that Duke of Edinburgh Bronze Award. Um, you could use them as a youth or kids Christian club. I know that uh, David and Jen use board games now. Um, in, what do they call it, Board and Bible, I think they call it. And that's been working really, really well. Um, local children's centres, always happy for you to run things for families for them. Um, particularly because board games tends to attract dads or male carers. And historically, men are scared of children's centres. Don't know what it is about them, but it's, oh, we can't be just seen there, that, that's not for us. If you've got things like board games, they're more interested in being there. Um, 
And they're used at Christian festivals as well. Christians Against Poverty have them inside their big tents now, uh, alongside their tea and coffee. So it's, it's really good. It, it allows you to outreach into the community in all sorts of different ways, and it provides you teaching points. It could possibly be used for worship, but it's a very fine line there, because you need to make sure it's very, very clear that the worship is going to God, and that you're not worshipping the game. And that's a very fine line with any hobbies that are using them for worship. So be very wary of, of going down that route at the moment, anyway. There's a few things I'm working on to hopefully make that a bit easier, but yeah. Uh, resources. When I first started doing this, I thought, oh, I'll be a groundbreaker. I'll be the only one doing this. It's something really niche. Nobody will be doing it. I then found thousands of people who are doing it all around the world. Um, so you've got my website, which is gamesforall.net. Um, there's lots of companies in America that are doing things. Uh, there's one called Inroads Ministries. They, they're brilliant guys. They do some podcasts um, to help you think through um, the Bible from a geeky perspective or board games from a Christian perspective. Um, You've got Saving the Game and the MinMax podcasts that use role-playing games to explore um, Christianity. Um, the Dice Tower is the biggest review site of board games that there is. It's huge. Um, games actively seek out getting the Dice Tower award on them. Um, that's run by a guy called Tom Vassell, who's a youth pastor. And he actually got into board games whilst he was out in South Korea using them to um, help build community out there and bring people together. So Christians are actually massively influential in the board game scene. Uh, and that could be because it's something that people can do together It doesn't involve drinks or alcohol or things like that. It's quite a nice family-friendly thing. It could be that. It could just be we're all geeks at heart. I don't, I don't know. Um, we've got a Facebook group which now has over 120 people in it. Um, it's a really secret closed down one. So if you're interested in joining that, you'll have to add me on Facebook first, then I can add you into it. We're just trying to make sure we don't get any trolls because it is still a very new sort of thing that's been explored in the UK and we don't want people coming in and taking the myth and putting people off. So it's very secret and closed down on that one. Um, there's a guy called the Geek Preacher out in America. He's a Methodist minister, and he uh, goes to conventions and is the chaplain there for them, and he uses geeky things in his sermons to help explain points. Um, same with uh, Faith and Fandom, who make books to help you use geeky films, geeky things, TV series, all that sort of stuff to explore the gospel. Um, there's uh, Love Thy Nerd and Game Church. You know the big American conventions, Comic-Con and the video game conventions and stuff like that. If you were to ever go to them, you'll find people outside with big yellow boards telling you, Christ thinks you're a sinner and you're going to hell. Or, we hate you because you're a sinner. Or, repent! And you might have even seen them walking through town. You get some people who walk with the big billboards on and the megaphones. And they're just shouting at people, you're going to hell, and you're going to hell, and you're going to hell. What are you going to do about it? And it's just really aggressive 
and nasty. And that's what people think of when they think of Christians. So Love Thy Nerd and Game Church set up to combat that. And they get a stall at the convention. And they basically just tell people, Jesus loves you. And they give them um, scripture and stickers and t-shirts and things like that. Actually telling them that, you know, those people outside are talking rubbish. God loves you and he wants to be there with you. Because you can't start a conversation with somebody by condemning them. The second you do that, defences go straight up, they're not going to talk to you. You have to approach it with love. Yes, sin is a thing, and yes, we do need to repent. But it doesn't need to be the first thing that you say to somebody. Because that's just not going to work, is it? Um, there's a guy called Andy Robertson that does um, video game stuff with churches. He, he does great stuff on Twitter. Um, and a place in America, uh, in Canada as well. So there's all sorts of different things out there for me. Um, so that's the end of me blabbing at you. That was everything condensed into about 30 minutes for you. Have we got any questions? You um, like had to make you like play conversations over Every time that I play with somebody new, I have a faith conversation with them. They'll always ask me, um, first of all, why are you doing this? Which is a, a nice lead into it. And then, but why are you a Christian? It tends to be a very you know, common question that comes through. And that then just gives you the natural leading to give you testimony yeah. to talk through uh, what's been going on. And they're actually interested. They're not just asking it to be nice, they're asking it because they are genuinely interested in what you're saying. How many board games do you own? Do I own? 60, I think. What's your favourite? Oh, that's a very hard question. Um, Probably Takenoko. But that's because my wife bought it me for my our fifth anniversary. So it's got that meaning to it. Yeah. Do you know like you know like what you're saying about kind of the questions that you can ask around for history as well? Does it ever feel forced, like trying to bring God into all games? It can be challenging from my perspective doing it. I've been told it doesn't come across as forced. But it, it can feel like you're being forced with it. Um, but again, you wouldn't be just doing that on a whim. It would be as part of a youth club or something like that. You'll play that game and then talk through it. Um, so I talked about One Night, one, one Night World before and how I used that for King Herod. I've used Bear Park in a uh, youth thing before to talk about um, God's kingdom and building a world. Um, so we played the game and then talked about how you fit it together, how everything comes together that way. Uh, but they knew they were in the youth club where we were talking about God. Yeah. So they knew that was going to come. And that, that's the main thing is, it's not bait and switch. Because if people ask, you'll tell them, or if it's in a setting where they know the questions are going to come up. That's when you can say it. So. Well, you're welcome to have a look at the games that I've brought. I've got a, a wide selection of different ones uh, that do all sorts of different things. I always go for games that look good on a table. 
because if you're going to be running a club, you need ones that actually look interesting. There are quite, there are some games out there that look are really fun to play, but look really boring. So you need to make sure you're kind of factoring that in when you do it. But one thing I did forget to mention, there are probably five Christian games out there that are really, really good for anybody to play. And I've got two of them that I got over from America. Uh, it's this one, Kings of Israel. Um, in it, you're playing prophets who are trying to get rid of sin and trying to control the spread of sin. And with certain kings, like David and Solomon and Yehu, they're good for you. They're going to help you control that sin. The rest of them are going to add sin in buckets to the board. So if you're not playing against each other, you're playing together to try and keep Israel as sin-free as you can and protect it from it. Um, so it's Christian in content, but it's not being used to try and teach anything. It's actually a fun game that happens to have the Christian theme. Um, same for this one, Wisdom of Solomon. In that one, you're playing the Solomon's advisors trying to get all the stuff that you need to build the temple. Um, so you're learning about what were the surrounding nations called? Where did they get their, what resources did they give? It's got biblical passages on the cards, but it's not a game that's about teaching the Bible. It's a game that's fun. That happens to teach you about the Bible. And there aren't many of those out there.